to the wonderful book of Romans, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, when you get a few moments, you might want to read up on what I gave to you about your DNA, and we'll say a little more about the reason I gave that to you in just a moment. But what we're going to do is we're going to read uh, Romans chapter 1, and then we'll come back and go over it again, because reading and repetition makes uh, for good study. Romans chapter 1, we have... uh, the unrighteousness of this world as it progresses down uh, generations of time to the coming of the Lord. Things will continue to get worse, not better. There are some that believe that that as we get Christianity out there to the world, that um, Christianity is going to do such a wonderful job in converting people and that the millennial reign of Jesus Christ will take place within the hearts of so many that righteousness will prevail throughout the whole earth, and God's kingdom will reign in the hearts of believers, and it'll just be a wonderful world for the next thousand years or so because Christians have done such a good job. We find that's far-fetched. That's what the all-millennialists believe, but uh, the Bible makes it very clear that... um, as we hold to the understanding of a premillennial, pre-tribulation rapture position, uh, that uh, things are going to get worse before they get better. Amen. Immorality is growing uh, to the point to where we are living in a day and time of all morality. They just simply do not believe that there is such a thing as immorality. We see that with the GLGBTQ movement. It's an all-moral type of of, uh, movement that that says that uh, sexuality, regardless what you do, is okay. That these Bible thumpers and these people that want to stick their form of morality down everyone's throat, that it really doesn't exist. And, And the reason they don't believe it exists is because what we see in Romans chapter 1. Because they no longer believe that God exists. They no longer put their faith in a God that is real. And yet we have science today proving that God does exist in a greater way than ever before. And science doesn't have to prove that God exists. I mean, we have it out there. People, if they're just smart enough to look and see that this complex world that we live in is a world that could not just happen to come into existence by some crazy explosion or through some silly idea that everything just kind of evolved into a higher state from single cell to a multi-complex cell. Uh, All of that makes no sense at all. And now we have with our DNA and and the mRNA and all the other things that are attached to the DNA, uh, more and more scientists are starting to move away from this silly idea of uh, the Big Bang Theory or evolution because they can see the consistency within the DNA. And they understand that this genetic code was put there by some intelligent design. As you'll read there uh, in the notes, one scientist said, uh, what's the probability of someone writing Michael loves Susan or whatever and understanding you know, with intelligent thinking that the ocean waves 
moved the sand about and put all those those letters there and, and came up with that that expression. We know that that would never happen. It could never happen. The chance of that happening uh, is, is just not even mathematically mathematically uh, uh, sensible or we could even equate of the chance or probability of something like that happening. So we have a DNA code and for that just to accidentally be popped into everyone and every one of us have a, we all have different uh, uh, identification through our DNA. No one has the same DNA. As you can read uh, in the notes that I've given to you, uh, it is explained very well there because the DNA code is somewhat like a computer code. It's made up of numbers, and uh, those numbers they can identify uh, through the various proteins within the cell. And the number of proteins and the number of, of equations that are in the cell amount to like 30 billion for each cell. If you were to try to count the number of information that you have within one cell, if you could count uh, the number of those cells, let's say you could count three of those numbers per second, it would take you 30 years, day and night, just to count the number of information that you have in one cell. And so <clears throat> to say, and, and scientists now have the ability to look at that one cell and see that every one of us have a genetic code that's much different than anyone else. They're not the same. And how interesting is that? We're living in very, very unusual days. Now, I want you to notice something interesting here. As we read down in Romans chapter 1, notice in verse number 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Notice who hold the truth in unrighteousness. In other words, <clears throat> the word hold there means that they deliberately suppress it. Uh, they want to keep you from the truth. They don't want you to know about God. There's things that scientists understand and know, but they want to suppress that truth because... Uh, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And we'll look at that in just a moment. So in verse number 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And notice their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Underscore the word fool there. So they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man, to birds, to four-footed beasts, to creeping things. You know, when you think of evolution, that's what evolution does. And so, well, you know, we, <laughs> uh, if there's a divine creator, here's what he did. He created that single cell, and then he abandoned that cell and left it alone, and that cell evolved from from uh, a single cell to a blob that was washed up on the ocean to something that was crawling like a lizard. And eventually it just kept evolving and evolving and evolving. It became a monkey. And then from that, from a monkey, it became a man. And we're supposed to believe that. 
That's the foolishness of man's heart. The Bible says in verse number 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. Why? Because when they knew God, they refused to believe in him. Even though they understood he existed, even though they understood that all things were created by him, they just simply did everything they could to suppress the truth of that because they don't want God in charge of their lives. So the Bible makes it very clear to they did this to dishonor, and as a result of this, they dishonored their own bodies between themselves. You know, these people that tattoo their bodies from head to toe, what are they saying? They're saying, they don't, I don't like the image that I was created in. I don't like the way God created me. I want to change that image. You see, you're miraculously and wonderfully made. And the reason you're miraculously and wonderfully made is because you, unlike any other of the creations of God, were created in God's image and God's likeness. And when you mar that image, you're just simply saying, I don't like the image that I was created in. And these idiots that go around putting, you know, uh, these stainless balls, you know, under their skin and their forehead and... and uh, and piercing their nose, and piercing their tongues, and piercing their bodies, mutilating their bodies. They're simply, they're simply saying, I don't like this image. I want to change it. it uh, you can imagine how the Lord feels about that. And by the way, the Bible talks about putting no markings. It's found over there in Leviticus, by the way. You're not to mark your body. You're you're not to mar your body. You're not to put anything on your body that's, that's in memory of the dead. Um, in fact, uh, the Bible makes it very clear uh, that necromancy, where you worship and honor the dead by what you do with your body, how you worship the dead, uh, that is an abomination to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. We need to understand you say, well, that's Old Testament law. We're no longer under the law. Well, it was put there for a reason. It's also the law that says that, uh, that man is not to dress like a woman. Yeah. Yeah. It's also found in the law that man is not to uh, have anything to do or covet or steal from his neighbor. So, you know, well, you know, that... Uh, that that's okay. I, I think that kind of that law we need to follow. But I don't need to follow the law about marring my body, marking my body, or dressing my body like the opposite sex, or not accepting my uh, my gender when God created you with that gender. And there's no. By the way, you don't change the gender. You just butcher, mutilate your body to maybe look something like that gender. But you have a hard time as a man with the big muscular shoulders and, and, and the adrenaline and everything else that goes along with the man to, when you compete. And that's why women are starting to stand up and say, well, wait a minute. These transgenders are taking uh, you know, all of, uh, of 
of our, you know, our ambitions and our desire to be involved in competitive sports away from us because we're no longer competing against women, we're competing against men who are running around dressed like and trying to change their bodies to be like women, but they still have the muscular frame, they still have the, the bigger bones, the, you know, and so they, they're, their adrenaline, their their agility, their and everything else that goes along with it, their stamina, is much different than a woman. The Bible talks about the woman's vessel as being a weaker vessel. A man can work out with weights and bench press 600 pounds for a woman. She can work out with weights, and she may be able to bench press more than me, but she can't out bench press a man that is competing against her. Uh, because God has made them to be stronger. It just makes no sense, but this is the world we're living in. And it, go, it all flies in the face of God, and it all comes back because they've been turned over to a reprobate mind. Women need to be thankful that God created them to be women, because there's a special honor that God puts upon a woman. The Bible makes it very clear in verse number 27, likewise, notice he says this, for this cause he gave them up to vile affection, verse number 26, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. We're seeing all of that going on. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them up over to reprobate minds to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, you see, that's the world we're living in right now. Despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affections, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgments of God, that they which commit such things are unworthy of death, are, are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Now what's interesting about all this is it all starts when man decides that he no longer wants to believe in God. You know, if you just take your Bible and flip over to Psalms just for a moment. Notice in, in Psalms, well, let's begin with uh, Psalms 15, or Psalms 50, is it? Um, Psalms 53. I don't have this in my notes, so I have to shoot from the hip. But in Psalms 53, beginning with verse number 1, the Bible says, The fool has said in his heart there is no God. Corrupt are they, and have done abominable in iniquity. There is none that doeth good. God looketh down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any that did understand, that did seek God. 
Every one of them has gone back. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. They have or have the workers of iniquity, no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat up bread. They have not called upon God. So they were, they, or there were they in great fear, where no fear was. For God has scattered the bones of him that encampeth against thee. And thou hast put them to shame, because God hath despised them. You see, there's come a, a time, and it's going to be very soon, it, it, at least seven years from now, God's going to do this. That the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion when God bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob. They shall rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. The world can deny God. The world can say God doesn't exist. And the world is doing a good job of doing that right now. But very soon, God is going to reveal himself. God has warned them. God makes it very clear that this is going to happen. And so we have these verses of Scripture. And God warns us. As we see over there in, in Psalms 14, I believe it's in Psalms 10 too. <laughs> in, or in Psalms 10, I have to go over there and see, but I believe it's Psalms 10 that says something interesting there. Let's take a look and see if, I, if my memory serves me correctly here. Okay, it's taken me a while to get there, but I'll get there. Psalms 10. Notice verse number 3. The wicked boasteth of his heart's desire, and then blesseth the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. His ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far above, out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. He saith in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud, and under his tongues is mischief and vanity. You know, doesn't that sound like uh, some of the people out there that march around, you know, in pride of their immorality. Yeah. You know, I am proud that I'm an abomination to God. I am proud of my sexuality. I am proud that I'm a fornicator, an adulterer, and an immoral. And I have no problem flaunting it. And I want my, I want all the children of the world to stand with me. So I'm going to get into their public schools and, and I'm going to hiss at the righteous and I'm going to take over their minds and I'm going to pull them into the same miry pit of abominable ideas and thoughts and wickedness that I'm living in. You see, that's the world that we live in. Uh, and God says one day he's going to reveal himself against all unrighteousness and all wickedness. Notice in Psalms 14, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. 
They are all corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. So the Lord looked down from heaven from the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. What did God see? God saw that they're all gone aside. They're all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord? Well, one day God's going to put the fear of God in their hearts. But it'd be too late. They won't repent. They'll curse God even though they're fearful of him. And that's the wicked world that we're living in. And they just refuse to acknowledge God. And it all began back when they said that we're no longer going to believe in God. Amen. Notice in verse number 20 again, he says, or verse number 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifested in them, for God had showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You see, and today we have science that's backing all this up. We have science backing it up through the DNA. And science now, now that they have an understanding of what God has created in this genetic code, now they're trying to mess with that genetic code uh, through what they call the M that they put on the RNA. The RNA is proteins that send messages to the DNA. And they're trying to genetically change uh, that code. And they're doing it by experimentation through COVID-19. Now you think that's a little wild. You might want to look into the science of that. And where did they get their mRNA that they're injecting into your bodies to change your RNA that somehow is going to message to your DNA a different change about you? It's out there. The science is there. There are scientists that are trying to warn us. They're shutting them up because it's all misinformation. That's where we're at. I want you to see the science in the Word of God. I, uh, <clears throat> it's interesting if you, if you, could, if you have uh, any knowledge of the Hebrew and you read Psalms 139, you'd almost see a DNA ladder within the Hebrew language. It's very interesting. You can go online, by the way, and pull up this passage of Scripture, and uh, you'll find that here, it's been there for 3,000 years. What was it back in the, the late 60s, early 70s, they begin to uh, break through the genetic code of the DNA? I remember years ago where there was nothing known about the DNA, and then as I got a little older, we started hearing more and more about it. And now science have used that to identify and to solve cases. 
uh, because they no longer need fingerprints. All they need is just a sample of your DNA. And they can get that from a hair follicle. They can get it from a little piece of skin, a drop of blood or whatever. Because we all have, we're made up of trillions of cells. <laughs> and every one of those cells have your genetic code within that cell. Notice the psalmist says in Psalms 139, verse number 13, Thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. And my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lower parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance, and yet being unperfect, doesn't say imperfect, just says unperfect, not fully developed at that time, but all the information there to bring you about to a full development was put there. Information that would give you your stature, the color of your eyes, the hair color, the bone frame, uh, the amount of intelligence that you would have. God put all of that there. When you, your body was not fully developed, unperfect, doesn't mean it wasn't imperfect, it just means it wasn't fully developed, but the information to develop your body and bring it to where God wanted to bring it was all put there. So can you imagine what that's like when you aboard what God has put there in that womb? So my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, curiously, curiously wrought in the lower parts. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book, all my members were written. You have one cell with 30 billion bytes of information. But yet your entire body is made up of trillions of cells. Now what's interesting, notice as we read the rest of this, watch this very closely. All my members were written, which in continuance... You see, your genetic code within your body goes from cell to cell as continual. You have a continuance of your genetic code. And what's interesting here, when you take all the proteins and everything that makes up every one of your cells and all the information that God has put within each cell, the Bible says once it is fashioned, the Bible makes it very clear that there is none that can understand how precious also are thy thoughts unto me. O God, how great is the sum of them. Notice what he says. If I should count them, they are more in number than the what? Than the sand. Have you ever tried to number all the sand that's in the world? How about the sand that's out here in the Coachella Valley? If I could number them, it's more than all the sand. 
And that's how much information God has put within one body. And scientists are just now beginning to figure this out. And as I said earlier, if you could take and count all of our information in just one tiny cell, you would, it would take you, as you count those little bits of information that scientists are able to pull out, it would take you more than 30 years counting night and day, three numbers a second, it would take you 30 years just to count the number of information that's in one cell. How great is the sum of it? Now I want to ask you a question. If God doesn't exist, how could David have known this? It was written 30 years ago. I mean, <laughs> God's on mine 30 years ago. It was 3,000 years ago. You see, that's the reason man is under judgment because God has given us this knowledge and he refuses to accept it. And yet there are scientists that are atheists that are coming. They're, they're saying, well, you know, one time I did not believe in God, but now I believe. <laughs> I believe there's just no way this could happen. And so I'll just read over the information. There's so much more information you can read out there. Notice in verse number 21 through 23, God's glory and honor has been given over to all the man-made idols that we worship. How shameful. We've taken all the glory from God and we give it over to sex and we give it over to things and we give it over to the lust and the desires of our flesh. We enjoy those things more. I say we, mankind, enjoys that more than he does God. David said, when I think of your tremendous thoughts to me, how marvelous. And yet we put more value on, on these things that are corruptible. And notice again what is said in verses 24 through 25. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked and who can know it? That's the heart. We see that from Jeremiah. Romans says, Wherefore God gave them up, or also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own what class? You see, the fool has said in his heart. I was hiking. I think I told you this story two or three weeks ago, and we had a young man that was hiking with us, and he continued to follow me up, and I was asking him questions about the Lord, and he says, well, I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. And I says, oh, really? I've never met an atheist. And he says, well, you're meeting one now? And I said, oh, I don't think so. I've met a fool, but I haven't met an atheist. Because <laughs> the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. I said, your head knows better. And I said, I want to challenge you to take, I said, to go find a Bible and read Psalms 139. And just begin with verse number 12. Read down to verse number 18. And then we'll have a discussion on God, okay? I said, you seem to be an intelligent. You know anything about your DNA? And he said, oh, yeah, I know quite a bit about it. I said, well, read that Psalm. 
It was put there 3,000 years ago. David didn't have that knowledge. God had that knowledge. He says, you know what? I, I got to go. He went the other direction. They don't want to be challenged by the word of God. Because you unleash a lion on them. So <clears throat> the fool has said in his heart. Notice it says in verse number 27. And likewise also the men leaving. Or excuse me. Uh, verse number 25. Uh, not 27. Who changed because of their foolish hearts. and Because of the lust that's in their hearts that causes them to dishonor their bodies between themselves. They have changed the truth of God into a lie. So they worship and they serve the creature more than the creator. You see, man today is in love with man. He's not in love with God. And then we see in verse number 26 through verse number 27, for this cause God gave them up the vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use. So we find here the purpose in them allowing, or the, I should say the purpose in God allowing them to act out uh, their sins and to practice their sins is to bring them uh, to a place of their own judgment. If, you're, if you refuse to believe that God exists and you refuse to trust in God and you refuse to worship God, God says, okay, then I'll just leave you to yourself. Part of your judgment is going to be that your own sins are going to bring, you bring, down, or bring your downfall. It's going to be that which is going to destroy you. You know, the, the average lifespan of a gay person is 65 years of age. And most of them, they live with guilt. You know, there's, you can't get rid of that guilt. God keeps reminding them that he exists, and they try to say, no, God, you don't exist. I don't believe in you. But in their head, they know better, and they suffer guilt and anguish, and depression, and they live their lives fearful of one day standing before the person they say that does not exist. And as they continue to rebel against God, their sin is their downfall, and it destroys them. That is God's purpose, to demonstrate the depravity and the wickedness and to allow man to bring about the, the consequences of, uh, of his sins into his own life. You want to play with sin? You want to dabble in sin? You want to live a life of fornication? Then you're going to be fearful. These guys are constantly being checked to make sure they don't have AIDS. And one day they find out they have it. And their boyfriend, their lover, you know, they have to make sure they're, they're protected from him. I've been to, at times I've been to a drugstore and I see them standing there getting their prescriptions for their HIV virus and full-blown AIDS. And I see a little old shriveled up man in his 30s, you know, that's down to a skeleton and he's got his, his 
wife or his husband, another man there with him that's still in good health. And he's pitying this guy, and, and, and that's the life they're living. And that's their downfall. And it is the judgment of God. God made it very clear to Israel, you obey me, then none of these, these sicknesses, none of these diseases will visit upon you. You see, every sickness and every disease out there that's tra sexually transmitted is a judgment from God. You, know, you go out and you steal every day, your hands don't come down with uh, syphilis and rot off. They don't come down with, with leprosy. But you go out there and you live an immoral life and God judges the body. Because the Bible says that every sin is without the body except for fornication. And God judges fornication by making the body sick. We have to understand that. And it's right there. Read it. It's over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Well, in closing, we see in verses 28 through verse number 32, God's purpose is also reminding us that such people that choose that lifestyle choose death over repentance. Uh, it's, it's just that simple. You make the gospel clear to them. You tell them what they, and, and I'm not interested. I love my sin more than life. I remember talking to my wife's cousin. He said, well, will I have to give up my drinking? Will I have to give up my cigarettes? Will I have to give up the lifestyle I want to live? And I said, well, you know, God will change your want to. Yeah, he'll give you repentance. Well, what if I don't want repentance? I said, well, then you can't be saved. Because you have to want to turn from your sins and turn to Christ. And he said, well, I don't want it then. I swear you can't have God and your sin. You've got to turn from the sin to turn to God. Well, you know, that's the world we live in. And they choose that lifestyle knowing that there is a judgment. And that's why they're so belligerent when you knock on their doors. Because they know, well, here comes one of those Bible thumpers, and he's going to try to tell me that I need to repent of this lifestyle. You know, they ask. I've had them ask. Well, does that mean if I receive Jesus, does that mean that I can no longer live with my lover? <laughs> so, well, yes, it does. I remember Brother Chris Warshaw. He was witnessing there at the hospital. And... Uh, the uh, chaplain of the hospital called me one day and he says, you need to talk to your uh, associate there. Explain to him that he can't tell these gay people when he's giving out the gospel that they have to repent of that lifestyle. I'm getting, I'm getting too many complaints. I'm sorry, you're going to have to talk to him about that. <laughs> I've gotten too many complaints. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. That's the world we live in. And the world is going to pass laws to where we won't be allowed to tell them. Because, you know, that's a discrimination. 
against their sexuality. Yeah, we're living in a wicked world. And so the Bible says in verse number 32, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. You say, well, boy, I'm glad I'm not there. You need to say, by the grace of God, I'm glad I'm not there. Because sin is deceptive. And sin can pull you down. And it's only by the grace of God, there you be. Well, as long as we can understand that, then we'll have a burden and concern. If anything, we shouldn't go away when we run, or come into confrontation with someone like that. We shouldn't go away in anger. We should go away in pity and go away praying, God, open their eyes. Help them to see that there's a horrible judgment coming with every head bowed.